0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We're at the end of our midweek uh, theme here, which is the which are which is which is witnesses to Christ, the people of his passion. We've seen a lot of interesting characters. Some you may know more than others. And this one you may know very well. You say his name every Sunday if you're coming to church, right? Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is kind of an interesting guy. I know I say things are interesting in the Bible, but I mean, it's the Bible. you know, It's the Word of God. Things are interesting. Especially Pontius Pilate, who seems to be caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or is it the right place at the right time? Pontius Pilate is the governor of, of Judea, the, the Roman ruler over a what was known as more of a backwater kind of province of the, the Roman Empire. We wouldn't think it's a backwater place because it is the place where our Savior is and where he was crucified and where a lot of our history comes from for our faith. But to the Romans, it didn't really matter much. It was a little place that was a good spot for a, a good stop on a trade route. Actually, it had, shaved, it, it had changed hands a lot throughout the centuries after the uh, after the Jewish people had been uh, brought into um, the the Babylonian exile. It had shifted back and forth between uh, between Alexander the Great and then those who followed after him in his death, and then eventually Rome. Pilate finds himself at an interesting spot. He's in a place where people take their faith very seriously. So seriously that uh, it makes no sense to him as a Roman, because the Romans would come in to a place with all their might and their power, and they would attribute whatever victory they had to the gods of the people that they just conquered. Think about that. They were so tolerant. <laughs> they were so tolerant. And they were so accepting of different faiths. that They assimilated the faiths of the people that they conquered into their own. Meaning that whenever they were about to conquer a, uh, a major stronghold, they would make a sacrifice not to their own gods that they had, but to the gods of the people that they were about to conquer. So that when they conquered them, they would say, look, see, your gods clearly wanted us to win, and so we did. So with this mindset, the Romans don't really understand the position of these Jews who are such strong adherents to their own faith who see any kind of contamination of their faith is just that, a contamination. That once you bring in these other foreign gods, it corrupts everything that they believe. So Pilate, on top of being one who doesn't understand the faith of these people, he is also one who is a career politician, as it were. He actually marries into his post His wife, I believe, was the, according to the inscriptions and the the archaeological uh, facts that we have on Pilate, he married a, a granddaughter of Caesar Augustus. Before that, he wasn't upper class. He was only a middle class kind of guy. But because of who he married, he gets this post. And before this point in time, he had already faced a lot of uprisings, He had already killed a lot of people because of what they did in threatening the rule of the Romans at that time. So he has to play his cards right. He has to be very careful in how he proceeds here. The last thing he needs is some other sort of political uprising that will eventually cost him his job, maybe even his life. So he has to play his cards very carefully here. And we can see from all these things in this backstory of Pilate, that he's a man who's hardened. He's a man who's indifferent. He's a man who doesn't really care about what's really important. He does on some level, you may may be able to read this text or the other texts about Pilate and, and say, you know what, he tried. He tried, he saw Jesus as innocent, and he tried so hard. But try isn't good enough. Not in the end. In the end, no matter how many times Pilate washes his hands, he still has the stain of Jesus' blood. And to him, that probably meant nothing at all. But to us, that means everything. To us who believe in the blood that Jesus has shed for our sins, that means everything. It means that when we are like Pilate, when we try to justify ourselves by washing our own hands when we see something going down, and we could do something about it, but we don't. No amount of justifying ourselves will ever make us clean. Only the blood of Christ can. That with Pilate, a hardened man who refuses to hear the words spoken about Christ, he winds up having just as much guilt as the Jews do, the ones who have him crucified. And just like Pilate, our hearts can be hardened. And we shouldn't kid ourselves about that. We should not bask in our own freedom as Christians to abuse it as experts, saying, I can do whatever I want because I'm free in Christ. I don't have to go to church every Sunday. I don't have to go to Bible study. I don't have to read my Bible every day. I don't have to pray every single day, I'm free. Eventually, we can become hardened. We can become hardened and when we separate ourselves from God's word and from his promises, from his gifts, we should not be surprised when eventually we just stop praying altogether. Stop hearing God's word altogether and only think that we are doing the things that are right in our own eyes. How often are we like Pontius Pilate when we see evil things happening and we don't speak against it? We look out into the world and we see horrible, horrible things happening. Not to mention the war that's going on in the Far East with um, Putin and uh, with um, Russia and the and and Ukraine that's something we can pray for and that's something we can hope resolves itself that's something that we hope that God will stop we see evil every single day We see evil every single day within our own lives. That we see an agenda being perpetrated on our children with LGBTQ nonsense, with homosexuality, with transgenderism. We see a demonic agenda through abortion. And we simply find ourselves most of the time saying, what am I supposed to do about that? Who am I to say anything about that? I don't know enough. I can't say enough. I can't do enough to make a difference. In the same way, in that way, we become complicit. That if you wonder how our world got to where it is right now, we are partly to blame. We didn't speak out when we should have. We didn't stop it when we could have. And we like to tell ourselves, how could we have known? How could we have known things would have gotten this bad? But if you look back far enough, you find out you really don't have an excuse. Things have been progressively getting worse and worse and worse, and worse. And all we do is we sit back and we say, oh well, I wash my hands of this. It's not me doing these things. It's other people. They're the ones who are doing it. But as the people of God, our light must shine out in darkness. It needs to. It can't help it. So when you hold back the light of the gospel, you're the only one to blame. Now, is that something where we stop? Do we simply stop and we sit down and we wallow in in our failures? Do we wallow in the, 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 do we wallow in the despair that ought to come from realizing how sinful we are? No. For we are people who have hope. We are not like Pilate in that way. We are not ones who think that we only can self-justify and that's it. We are Christians. We are ones who trust in Christ. We are ones who trust when he says... That he is the way and the truth and the life. That no one comes to the Father except through him. We trust in him and his blood shed for us. When we hear God's word, we believe it. We hold on to it. Because that is the only thing that grants us life. That promise. We are the ones who hear the words of Ezekiel. Or the words that God speaks through the prophet Ezekiel. When he says, I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put I will put within them. I will, I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. By faith, That is you. Everyone who believes this has had their heart and heart taken away and been given a heart of flesh to live, to believe, to trust in Christ and what he has done. Knowing that we are not the ones who wash away our sin, but Christ alone is, and that's only by his blood. And the peace of God which surpasses only a, and, and the peace of God which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.